you enjoy sitting at the pub or at the ground, listening to two blokes tell you who's going to win the footy and why, you know, the type of guys that puff at their chest and say, after their obscure multi comes up. Well, if you do, this is the podcast for you. Well, Game of Thrones might be over. Winter is still here. It's cold, it's dark, and chances are you have nothing in your fridge. So you've got two options. You can rug up and head on down to the supermarket to scramble together an almost certain disappointing meal to have while watching the footy. Or you can head on down to our sponsor, the Yorkshire Hotel, sit in front of their HD TVs, in front of a warm fireplace, have a premium beverage and a bloody excellent meal. So do footy right this winter down at the Yorkshire Hotel on the corner of Langridge Street and Punt Road in Abbotsford. All right, let's get down to it and it being footy chat. No, like actual, real footy chat. After a week that saw coach versus journalist stout over a long forgotten story, a hot take merchant taking on a player over faking injuries, and players, umpires, and the footy world in itself suffering from a severe dose of thin skin, I'm pretty keen to actually talk about on-field footy. And to help me with that is the people's pundit and a man back in terrific tipping form, the Big Baz. All right. How you doing, fella? I'm very, very well. Yourself? Not too bad. Not too bad. And uh, you're streaking ahead now. You're, yep. you're reaching uh, unprecedented levels of tipping form again. My third week in a row of backing in Freeman, a backfired from me cop- tipping nine. I'm hoping we can get back on that uh, that positive ground. So we started off really well. Yep. Last couple of weeks been a bit slow, but I'm pretty confident this week. I think so. And as we said, this is where we hit our straps. So usually you can jag a few lucky ones early on. Then the middling period where it gets a bit messy, and then come about round ten onwards, the form lines are strong. Well, the look, teams are reaching their they're reaching their their zones, and there's a few more you can trust. The moment that trust pull's still a bit small on mine, so small. that's small. why we're struggling at the moment. And, and last year, to be fair, it wasn't until after the bye week we started really hitting our straps. Yeah. So. Hopefully, uh, same sort of thing happens this year. You used to call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need my love. Call me on my cell phone. Day night when you need. Before we get to that, to the tips and trying to make you some money, we're going to take you to Coach's Corner today. No blower because this week has been all about hot take merchants and headline hunting and clickbait. And I'm sick of it. So let's talk actual footy and what to do with the problems. There's clear problems and some non-problems in the footy world at each end of the ladder. And I want to discuss what do you do for each of those. So there's the heads and tails situation. And the tails is obviously Carlton. They cop it was basically a 100-point loss. And everyone's just saying how bad it is. Yep. It's pretty obvious it's bad. Like, anyone could just look at the scorecard and be like, oh, all right, that team sucks. Yep. But how do we fix it? And what do you do... Like today, like Wednesday, midweek training session for the round ahead. What do you do for the rest of the season? And what do you do for the future seasons? And I have a few things uh, like do you believe in? And so the three are, they had a players only meeting. Are you pro or against that as a concept? Obviously, everyone's saying coach sacking. Like, do we just sack him now? Are you for or against coach sacking? And the final one is from a punting perspective, the emotional X factor of bounce back ability. So they're the three things we'll cover off. But oh. no, the first one, the players meeting was the one that caught my eye. Well, I don't mind players meetings as long as that information, whatever the players have said, because obviously I don't feel comfortable speaking to the coaching staff. The leadership group, they need to go to the coach, say they want this, this and this, or they feel like this, this and this. So, I mean, I've spoken many times before, I always ask for feedback or ask anything from the playing group. Sometimes you don't always get it 
back from them uh, individually. They might say it to someone and someone will go, Baz, it feels more comfortable, knows what I'm like, or can't say, Baz, is what they've said. And, you know, you take all that feedback on board and you know, I might be pretty strong in certain views, And you know, but if I've got five or six players come to me, I'm Baz, probably need to tone down the training sessions or whatever this year. Like, we're not as keen about training and training hard and long like they were last year. Well, then you go, all right, well, I'll relax training sessions a bit. And then, but then you get the opposite of that. We get, you know, five or six kids going, well, want to train longer. So, well, okay, well, you come to senior training on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Monday, Wednesdays, are, we get something out of it, but it's a bit more relaxed environment. So you've got, to, you've got to obviously, you know, balance it up a bit. Uh, and obviously, players on their meeting, if, as long as the information they're saying or what they're, what they're talking about is also getting back to the coach and he doesn't take it too personally and deals with it, I, I think it's a great thing. The more feedback you get as a coach from players, support staff, and all that, is makes you a better coach. Because especially Bolton, like he's, he, I know he's been an assistant for a long time. He's a head coach now, but you don't know everything. So if you get some good feedback, whether you like it or not, and you take it on board well, then it, it will make you a better coach. Because no one's perfect. We're all still learning. So yeah, that's that's my opinion. Is there a, is there a risk of players of you losing the player group when these things might happen? And they're, they're not so prevalent in AFL, other than usually like a let's crack in or like they're kind of very vague obliques. But you see it in American sports, as soon as there's a players only meeting, and American sports uh, people have a lot more agency over their own futures yeah. and contracts and stuff. But yeah. when it happens in American sports, it usually is the death knell for a coach. Yeah, but I mean, you, you look at Bucks for for, for yeah. example. He was obviously very strong-minded about certain ways things should be done, stuff like that. And then they had a he got some feedback and got, you know and had a meeting and all that stuff. And then he's like, "All right, obviously this isn't working for me, so I need to change my approach." And now he's you know, he's one of the best people to speak to, and he's not fake or anything. He's just gone, "Well, shit, hang on a minute." And even he says himself, "I should have enjoyed playing football a lot more than what I did." And it's his biggest regret and it's because he didn't realise you could actually do both. Mm-hmm. So I think that's... It depends how you take it as a coach and, what, again, what sort of feedback you're getting from players and whether it's um, actually good feedback or whether it's just bad feedback. I'm sure Bolton can coach. I'm sure the players like him. Not, I mean, not everyone's going to like you either. Yeah. So out of 35 players, you might get 20 that like you. Mm. It, it's fact of life. Not everyone's going to like each other. It's whether they're also mature enough and responsible enough to go, oh, I'm in a workplace. I'm here to do a job. He is my boss. Whether I like it or whether I like him or not, I'm in here with 35 other blokes. We all want the same thing. I'm going to bind them hmm. to get this, get the, the result you want. Otherwise, there's no point in playing footy or because you, if you and you're a selfish person, hmm. person. Sorry. So there's many different ways you look at it. And that's why I don't like. It's one thing I don't like about American sports. It's very me, 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 me. Yeah. Selfish individual. Instead of the whole team environment buying in that sort of stuff, so yeah, that's yeah, that's that's what I think. And then from like a technical point of view, so it happens a lot in Amos footy, and I think it's actually one of the more uh, reasonable things to ask Amos coaches. You get whacked by a hundred points one week, and you often see teams bounce back the next week and actually not get whacked again very often. If but and how do you how do you bounce back from that? And what do you like? Do you just back it in? And can in Carlton situation back themselves in just? to come out this week and play Carlton football or do they need to start changing things significantly well, on the back of last week? Obviously, a few injuries hurt Carlton at a key time and if, you know, McGovern's down again and, uh, you know, Cruiser played all right, but no Simpson, no Doherty, no um, Newman, who I think has been good for them. So they've got a few injuries and they've got a lot of young players as well. And 
I think for me, I watched me against North Melbourne and, and they had a couple of good weeks where they were up and about and playing good footy and they had everyone fit and firing. Uh, they lost that Hawthorne game where they went a bit defensive late and it cost them, I think. They didn't take the game on and then they had that capitulation against North and all week the talk was, yep, no, we're bouncing back, we're bouncing back, caught a bit of pressure. I reckon they got themselves up for that, that game against Collingwood. Big crowd, big rival, you know, Crips talk the talk, mm-hmm. walk the walk, all that. But they didn't win. They fell short again. And then you look at them last week and you go, well, okay, so what they did that week, and it's like we've talked about this before, is they got themselves up mentally prepared. They wanted to bring everything. They want to show everyone what they were about. And again, as we've said numerous times, that probably works once a year. Mm. If you go to it twice and it backfires... So say, you know, this week they've copped it all week. He goes to it again and they get done by, you know, seven, eight, nine goals this week by St Kilda. You might as well write them off for the rest of the year because mm. the young players find it hard to get back up again. So I, I wouldn't be one for sucking Bolton, but he, he needs to be careful on how he prepares the players this week. And I think that goes back to more training, back to more enjoyment, hopefully getting some fit players in, changing up a few roles and put Cripps forward for a bit. He copped a hard tag on the weekend. They were struggling going forward. Mm. Put put him forward. Play him deep. Play Charlie on a wing. Give, just change. try something different. You saw, we've seen, sorry, with Melbourne when they were struggling, they tried something different. And conversely, we've also seen with Collingwood, even though they're not struggling, they do that. I think, and it probably helps that, I think Bucks obviously coaches one midfielder's mentality, being midfielder himself. But he's been very smart this year with rotating all these mids onto the wing. So they lose a tag. And it just keeps them fresh. You're not yeah. always in the grunt work. Well, you, and you see that with the other teams that struggle. Like they have this, they're one, they're one track teams that we talked about last season. And they just push their plays into that. Cripps is already, I think, 300 minutes ahead now. After yeah, last well, week on midfield minutes. I said to you last week, he was leading the comp and leading Carlton by miles. Mm. And during the second, and, and he's leading by a long way as well, is Sam Welch. Mm. So he's in his first year of AFL footy. He's playing bloody good football as well. But he's already, you know, nearly 600 minutes or something. Yeah. And... Crips is ahead of him by 300 minutes. So you've got a first-year AFL draftee who's probably going to be burnt out by around fifth, oh, probably close now, and Crips is struggling all the workload, and he got cut out last week and got frustrated. So I'm saying, pushing mm. forward. Collingwood did it last year with their forwards and pushed the midfield through forward and rotating through there. This year they're doing a bit more wing and forward, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see a few go across half-back now with a few injuries we've got down there as well. The same, it just seems to be the same thing with Carlton. You know, Harry McKay, McGovern, Kerno. You know, now Levi's gone back, but that was because you know Jones and that's out. And he's playing all right footy, but yeah, they just got to change up a bit. And you know, they the only thing they did differently on on Sunday that I saw was uh, Savani went into the midfield for a bit. You know, he chopped out Cripps. He played his best game, I reckon. Hmm. So you see that, and you go, all right, let's well, stick with him for another couple of weeks, playing that role. Change a few things up. Give give other players a chop out. You know, SPS has been really really good, but maybe he needs a break as well. And yeah, all right. It's just the obviously when you're not a good team, it's harder. But you can look at Gold Coast. Everyone wrote off this year wouldn't win a game and wouldn't bring the effort. And you know they've got a lot of first year players and all that stuff. And look what they're bringing every week. Yeah, Carlton are ahead of Gold Coast on a I reckon on a list point of view and probably. Obviously not. I reckon Gold Coast's coaching staff and all that's been put together pretty well by the AFL, but Carlton is still pretty well organised. Hmm. So it can't be that hard because you see Gold Coast have gone, right, we're going to be defensive this year. We're going to play a almost a Sydney brand of footy. Uh, we're not going to get thumped. 
they've been thumped once I think this year I mean on the weekend they got thumped a bit but it was wet wet conditions which probably helped them out a lot but still only five goals they were competitive for a half so yeah I think you just need to change it up you know maybe instead of training all week with the balls and stuff try something different walk the town like Collingwood do or I don't know, go to the gym or go play cricket something just change up just mentally try and refresh the players yeah and I and then the other part I think is the bigger question about the the Carlton situation is that we're obviously focused on the coach and I think for for members it's alright because a lot of members aren't footy experts and so they just need they need, they need someone to be held accountable yeah but is this actually is it a coaching and when I say coaching a game plan flaw or is this actually a football department issue going back to who they recruited when they recruited them football department issue and because you look at that and you look at you look at who's not playing, who they got into that club and who's not playing, and like it's not the players' fault, but like, like for instance, like a Fasolo. This all started. Why did you get a Fasolo? And then you go back to who they got in the draft and who they brought across, and the the players currently on Carton's list who are second or third club players, like you're a club that wasn't going to play finals. Yeah. You definitely weren't going to compete for a premiership in the period where you got these players. So why are you topping up with? a potential X factor that maybe wasn't used right at someone else. Yeah. Like, go do the Gold Coast route. Yeah. Go go, just get the talent and develop as a squad, not have this kind of, like, tops and tails list, whereas you can't. You can't take a, a 30-year-old and say, we're going to revolutionise your game and lose every week. Yeah. For, so I reckon Carlton's problems go back to Mick Modhouse. So I'll sim out today, actually. So Mitch Robertson is playing some pretty good footy mm. at Brisbane. Yes, he had his little misdemeanors at Carlton uh, with a few other players, but Mick Morris got rid of him. And Mick Morris coming in, when Ratton was going all right with the Blues, they kind of had something going. And they sucked him to get Moldhouse in. And that all started this whole process. And when obviously he left, and then you know, a few others have been there, I think Barker took over for a bit, and now it's Ratton, uh, sorry, um, Bolton, whatever, whatever the history was. And then Sauce comes back and trades out all these blokes, gets rid of all these players that are, you know, decent players that they sh- sh- probably should have kept in the end. And now you look at well, who's their what's their biggest problem? It's like, if they had a Mitch Robertson cracking in for him, he'd be a massive help for that team right mm. now. And there's a few others like Bryce Gibbs would be a massive help right now. I know he wanted to go home. There's a few other factors, but you know. Just things like that. And even you look at this year's draft coming up and what they gave up last year. So they gave up their second round pick for Cedarfield. They traded next year or this year's first round pick for Stocker. So, and it's going to be pick one. I don't care what anyone says. It'll be pick one and it's probably going to be, you know, the top two picks this year are on equivalent, if not better, than Sam Welsh. Hmm. So you've given up a lot for Stocker. Stocker would, like, it's unfair on the kid and he's probably going to be known now for this. A bit of a Jack Watt situation, and it's going to probably put more pressure on him, which doesn't help. But you give up all that, that, that sort of pick for Will Setterfield. Now their next, their first round, they don't have a first round pick this year. I think their first pick will be in the 30s or 40s. So the team finishing bottom, <laughs> and their first pick isn't sort of late, or whenever after conversation picks and uh, academy picks and stuff, probably won't be to the mid to late 30s. That's a big worry. For yeah, the and that's team. beyond the coach. That, that's yeah. I and, don't think that Carlton's biggest issue is their coaching. I, and you look at their list. Who can they pick? Who can they trade out for a first round pick? No. Unless it's Cripps going back to the West Coast, they haven't got much to trade out. that's any value. No. So again, they're in. Yeah, they're in dire, dire strife. I reckon. Worst part is, I think, at the moment now, even if they wanted to sack the coach and just please the members and get and buy yourself 
13 weeks of clean air after the bye, yeah. what coach in their right mind goes to try and fix Carlton? Yeah, look... Like yeah, you, would, you wouldn't do it. The only... only There's only a couple I think of, and that's whether you go back... It would be coaches that have failed at other clubs that would be just wanting to get back into it. So I was thinking of Ratten, um, but would Why would he want to go back to a club that absolutely yeah. stitched him up? Um, and then you've got Michael Voss... Would Lepic want to do it? So I reckon you'd have to target coach. That's had it. Yeah, went in too early. If Hurd yep. wanted to get back into the coaching game, yep. now that he's allowed to, oh, apparently. No, no, no Obviously, no one's going to touch Hurd. But like, yep. I'm just saying, those types of blokes who have been either wronged by the system or went too early, perhaps. But then, like, as imagine that. So as a, as a cult member, you're campaigning, campaigning, saying we should take the coach out of the coach, and then you go get a Voss. Well, then you go get a leverage. Yeah. That's not a great look. What no. they what they want is a Clarkson. Clarkson, a, yeah. But they're not going to get a Clarkson. Of course not. Especially that football department the way it is at the moment. And and you even look back and go, well, they lost a pretty good um, football football manager last year. Um, was it McKay? Mm. So, yeah, he, he obviously left. And he was pretty good at his job. Um, and, yeah, it's already rumours are circulating that Soss is going in the year. So... So, on that, are Carlton either smart enough or probably more importantly brave enough to communicate to their members and say this is not on Bolton we actually don't mind his game style we backed ourselves in to play a certain way we've realised now that we don't have the players to execute to the level that we want to this is actually the fault of us as a club and specifically as a football department so they're all gone they should because they thought obviously like I said they gave up the first round pick this year and pretty much a second round pick so I think pretty sure it's a late second round pick it's, I think it's Adelaide's second round pick so it'd be you know, like I said, mid to late 30s probably going on with how they're going at the moment they thought they were going to finish top 10 top 12 this year with that list mm. because they thought oh we're going to give up you know, pick 19 for pick 15 or something and we're going to give up our second round pick but we'll probably get the same back in return but no it hasn't happened and yes injuries have played a part and, and yes some coaching yes some player development but they need to look at their player development they need to look at all that sort of stuff their football department is a bit the problem here not the coach and I think uh, as a football media probably with what happened with Bucks and uh, Harwick they're probably a bit more forgiving five years ago Bolton would have been stuck probably three or four weeks ago yeah absolutely so, and it wouldn't have solved the problem, though. It would have been Richmond of the early 2000s where they go through coach after coach and then they yeah. realise, oh, actually, it's, it's everything football. else that's wrong, yeah. not the actual coach. And they should have a big inquiry and reshuffle and not bring in you know, ex-players like Soss and stuff like that who, you know, yeah, Soss got it right at JWS, but come on, with what they had to start yeah. with. Yeah, you can pick whoever you want, whenever you want, and there's no real salary cap issue. Go for it. Yeah. Uh, we could do that. Yeah, no shit, and... You know, he's come back to Carlton a bit and he's recruited all these GWS players that haven't been good enough at GWS to get a game. And I'm sorry, but remember when a lot of these GWS players were playing there, they weren't that good. No. So, yeah, it, it's baffling. All right. Little segue question here, and this is to get into our other side of the coin, the heads, the positives. Is it more important to win on every given weekend or to focus on winning a premiership? And as an extension of that question, would you rather be, in the last 10 years, the Western Bulldogs, who won a premiership and then didn't make finals two years in a row, yep. or Geelong, who in the last decade have a 70% winning average week to week? But have only won one flag. Yeah. 
I'd probably rather be Geelong. I'd rather win most weeks and put ourselves in that chance of winning a flag than not being any chance and flick it one year. Yeah. So, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I, I want to win every week, no matter what. Who, it doesn't matter who we're playing. Yes, we have, we're, we're going to have losses. So that's yeah. going to happen. How we have those losses matters. Um, but, like, you know, you prepare yourself. You, you should know by halfway through the year or there thereabouts how good you're going and what the opposition's like. And then you start preparing yourself, I think, for that last probably, not only the last two to three weeks of the finals, but obviously probably the two to three before that. So at round, so for instance, Vafa, I don't know, we've got 18 rounds. So about round 15, 16, I'm going, all right, this is probably my best team, so I want to try and get to. Probably want to start looking after these blokes as well. Start dropping blokes, let them know. And by first final, we're 100% ready to go. Yeah, I'd rather be winning more games and putting myself in the chance of... Obviously, playing finals for starters and a chance of winning a flag. Yeah, they're not making finals at all for ten years and flicking one. Yeah, and I always find it, I find it interesting now that obviously the prevalence of American sports that they allow tanking to an extent and and whatever, and it works in some sports, especially basketball, where if you can get a really good player, that's one out of five. So yeah. you've improved your team by twenty percent. Yeah, but for footy, it's one out of eighteen. Realistically, one out of thirty. Depending, essentially, because you use that many players per list. Yeah, and you look at. The most comparable sport really is NFL, and the teams that tank stink. They always stink. Yeah. So, like, you don't want to be the Browns. You and don't so, want to be a Carlton. You don't want to lose deliberately. I heard Hutchie the other night saying that Melbourne yeah. should just give up this year and and focus on next year. That's a club with a with a history of losing mentality, with a history of being a bit weak minded. So why would you encourage Instill that? that? Yeah, exactly. Just keep winning. You want to win every game, even if you're Carlton. Yeah. Who. You've probably got a 10% chance each week of winning a game. You want to go out there and your first is we're winning. Mm. We're out here to win the game. We're not out here to lose by four goals. We're staying in the game. We want to try and win it. That's your mentality. We're a winning club. We want to be a winning club. Mm. That's what... Uh, I know it sounds a bit wankerish, but all the boys are like, no, nah, we're good. Let's embrace it. We want to be a winning club. We want to be a winning team. And hopefully when they get to the, you know, resis and seniors, they've got that mentality of working hard because they know they're decent and that we want to win things so they keep the, taking on the extra workloads and stuff. Yeah. Mind you, only 19s out of the 30 players, only probably 15, 10, 15 will take that on. But at least those 10 or 15 players, you know they're going to play seniors at the club. They're going to... And that's the whole culture you want to drive, so... Yeah, absolutely. So speaking of winning teams, there's a team at the top of the ladder that is Geelong. Now... You've been lucky enough in your coaching history to have teams that have been on top of the ladder or near the top very early in the season and maintain that. Yep. Do you ever get concerned when even you as a coach kind of either realise or presume or predict that you're in a finishing top four, top two, double chance, whatever, that it all just becomes too easy and everyone relaxes too much? So right now, if you use an amalgamation of predictive models, Geelong are a 54% chance of being the minor premiers and a 94% chance of finishing in the top four. So, think, again, another selection of do you believe in uh, Do you believe in peaking too soon? Do you believe that teams get bored of winning? And do you believe in losses that we needed to have? And do any of these apply to Geelong? I definitely actually do believe in the losses you need to have, although you don't want to have them. They do come up and I th- like last year in the preliminary final, or not preliminary final, the first final we had, we lost and we got pumped but it was, I think it was because we won the previous weeks by a combined margin of like 400 points Yeah, I think we needed to have that because we realised we weren't good enough and even uh, this year like 
we started pretty well. Not great, but we started pretty well. And then we had a loss. And the boys all, all of a sudden turned around a bit bit more attitude-wise on the training track and stuff as well. And, uh, I, yeah, I, you can get ahead of yourself, especially at local sport. Whether it's AFL, it's probably a bit easier not to get ahead of yourself because there's so much uh, in-house stuff. There's lots of coaches, lots of people trying to, you know, keeping a lid on things and uh, was it in between these four walls yes and also the ability to just whack them like if you have a, if you if you not even if you lose and you saw the same thing in Chris Scott's uh, press conference after the game they beat Western Bulldogs by a comfortable margin and he was spraying them and he was spraying them three quarter time and he was giving them a whack to the media saying you want to ask me a real question I'll give you a real answer I'm not yeah. impressed by that yeah so yeah, it, and then it's their job. So you're, that's you can get away with that AFL. Yeah, you can't. You do that ammo. Is that no one turns up? Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> so you got to be you got to make sure you get the right feel for everything that happens. But yeah, look, losses are like I said, they're good things and they're bad things because it, it's a chance to learn. And obviously, it's a loss, so it's not great. But it's always a good chance to learn. So I, I'm, like I said, you don't want to lose. I, I never want to lose. Yeah, I want to win all the time, and I want to be good enough to win all the time. But if you have a loss, you learn from it. You know, I grow from it, players grow from it, then it's all good. Yeah. Or the AFL coaches or players grow from it, yeah. it's all good. But yeah. And so on to Geelong to round out this little segment here. I'm, I'm almost with you. So I've been on the Geelong bandwagon all season. I was with them early in the preseason as well, and I th- I knew they're going to be in this position come this time of the year, around about the top, and winning a lot of their games at home despite their tough draw. Yep. I don't think they're the best team in the competition, though. No. I think they might finish on top because, I, like... They've got a pretty nice draw. They've got a pretty nice draw. They've already beaten West Coast at home. They've already beaten you guys in round one. So they've ticked some big boxes against teams that are going to be hard to beat come the end of the season. Yeah. But I would have Collingwood and GWS above them at the moment. And now that you see West Coast coming back into form and Richmond overcoming all their injuries, like, they're... They're maybe even the, in the second tier of that five. The funny thing is, uh, I've been saying this pretty much all year, is someone makes their defenders defend and use their hit-ups. Mm. And uh, on Sunday night and on Monday night and due, a few of the bit of the radio as well, I've heard some special comments, special commentators say in the last week or so, and they saw it with a little bit with Western Bulls, not so much, but a little bit, is that they want to see them play against a 10 or make them defend. Yeah. They got Collingwood early in the year. You know, it was a pretty ordinary game. New uh, rules, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, First, yeah, yeah. And small preseason. It wasn't a great but, game either. Like, no, it was terrible. To be honest. Um, yeah, they got West. They got a hold of West Coast, and obviously we saw West Coast going through a flat patch. But just remember, West Coast also flogged Jerry West and flogged Collingwood. And they've played you know, Collingwood Jerry West at the moment, playing some probably the better football we've seen. Um, and yeah, I just think that yeah, I'm not sold on them yet, and they've done this before. They've got yeah. a history of this until they win a final and win some finals. You know, the last since pretty much since Scott's taken over, he won the grand final and hasn't done much since. So, yeah, I'm still not sold on them, and I'm happy to be wrong. I'm happy for people to sledge me after if if I'm wrong and cop it on the chin like I always do. But I'm still not sold. Yeah, and so the problem for them long term is they are still a team that loves to score from their back 50. Yep, and we've seen that that doesn't work. It doesn't work, and it doesn't work, especially against the good teams. Yep. And so, and then the teams they're going to come up against, so they beat West Coast because they do the similar thing, and I think well, on the day, they were obviously better than West Coast, and in the last month prior to that, they were a better team than West Coast. Yep. Go home, tickety-tickety. But if they play against an in inform and like turned, turned up uh, GWS, or a Richmond or a Collingwood, 
They're all front half teams. We saw Joe West beat them. Yeah. Yeah. So they're all front half teams that apply frontal pressure. Yep. And that conceding ten extra inside fifties won't work. Okay, so last comment on DeLong is, as a coach, if you're Chris Scott, do you start tweaking your game style that wins week to week in an attempt to win in September? Bloody earth. You need to start... Well, he's got a good start now. You don't want to ch- be changing everything, but you want to try and get keep more forward half pressure, keep the ball in your half more more often than not, and you'll probably want to try a few different other things just to make sure you got... So Gary Abbott goes down because he's played every game so far this year. Danger gets hurt or something like that. You've got some fallback options. The players used by club, I reckon Geelong. I, I, this is off the top of my head. I reckon Geelong have used probably one of the would be one of the least used teams. Mm, I think yeah, there are some concern, concerning unsustainable trends happening at Geelong at the moment, and they're all good things. I'm like, you want to be kicking straight, you want to have good inside fifty conversion. They're all the markers of good teams, but they're doing it at a level that's so far above the rest of the competition yeah, that fiscal history would suggest they're going to regress to the mean a little bit. Yeah. And once they do that, it's the rest of their flaws, which are inversely proportional, that need to pick up. And that's a big question is, can they do it? So we'll wait and see. On to our previews for round 10. And we've got a nice even split between upset alerts and sure things. And I'm, I'm a bit concerned here. So you have to be my, uh, you're my consult here. You're my, uh, my second opinion. But I, I honestly believe the bookies have got this wrong on th- uh, three of them, major wrongs, in my opinion. Major upset alerts, which shouldn't even be considered upsets. Yeah. Just like they have the odds wrong. This is the most obvious one for mine. Saturday, 4.35, Adelaide are $1.64 favourites against the West Coast, who just beat Melbourne. $2.20 outsiders at the Adelaide Oval. Understandable. The line here is 8.5. The over-under, 156. They've got a lot of things wrong here. The odds and the over-under total for mine are all off. Because yeah. they're underrating West Coast severely. They are. They're saying that this is the same West Coast team that couldn't kick 12 goals, 13 goals, 14 goals in a game. Yep. Oh. And this doesn't make any sense to me. So have I misread this or have the bookies misread this? Oh, no, oh, I think it's probably the fourth week in a row I've said that I don't write Adelaide. Mm. And the players that are playing above the level can't keep going at that rate. So, um, yeah, I think, they, I think they got through pretty well um, unscathed against Brisbane Adelaide. They've got a few that are due back, like uh, Crouch is a, is a test... Um, Hardigan's a test Malira might come back did, did they pick Jenkins he's had some good form but West Coast for mine like they're they're flying under the radar and like I said before they flogged Jerry West they flogged Collingwood they're just going through their gears at the moment they, mm. you know, they, they got challenged by Melbourne early and I was deeply concerned I was a, I was an irrational nuffy for my one of three irrational nuffy moments because you wanted to you wanted to pick uh, Melbourne I did and I thought week. they were going to get me again and luckily more Melbourne were poor as opposed to West Coast fought back, but yeah. they got the win, and those those are the tough wins that kind of prove a point. But it also kickstarts your season, so I don't understand how, in in betting terms, is the is the uh, the terminology a uh, even money prospect. Yeah. So it, it, it it's, a, it's, a, it's a prospect that is fifty percent of the time. Either result happens, which is a coin toss. This should be even money prospects. But it's not because Adelaide are playing at home. Yes. And it's going to be wet. So, But do you know that one, though? What? So 
The Eagles have won seven of the last nine games at Adelaide Oval. The only other thing I can see is it's going to be a wet day on um, Saturday in Adelaide. Yeah. What happened last time West Coast played an Adelaide-based team in the wet? Yeah. They got flogged. Yeah, by by a team, though, that is good in ground ball gets, that is good at forward retention, that is good at clearances. Also, Adelaide have a pretty good uh, midfield built for wet weather footy. Yeah, but have they shown it this year? Well, they haven't played in wet weather, have they? Have they retained the ball inside their forward 50 well? Not really. Have they been good at loose ball ground gets? Can't tell you off the top of my head. Yeah. Oh, look, for me, I'm tipping West Coast. Uh, and I probably I reckon backing West Coast is a pretty good pretty good bet for, me, for mine well $2.20 you're getting you're getting this, this you're getting like, 30 cents on the dollar extra for free this is last year's if uh, you were a rich man you would load up on this game in my opinion I, I really think that <laughs> like, to Taylor Walker and if Josh Turner comes back in McGovern and uh, Hearn and that have a field day surely Oscar Allen go back forward and I know Keith and those blokes have been good, but if they got enough matchups for that four line, and especially Rioli and, and Ryan and that sort of stuff, Pacelli, Petruck, Petruck, what, how do you say his name? Yeah, I'm doing a Billy Brownless here. Um, <laughs> Pacelli's close. Yeah, but you know, Elliot Yo's been elite as well, and they got a really good midfield. We obviously Gaff Shuey. My only concern is the wet, but I reckon I really do think that West Coast should win this, and they should win quite comfortably. So, for, for mine, the Issue with Adelaide this year has been a little bit like Melbourne. They, they're not very precise with their entry kicks. And we've seen that West Coast love... That's, that's old school West Coast love to score off that. Maybe the wet weather affects that. But, like, you know, Jerry McGovern, even though West Coast has been poor, is still leading the competition in defensive half scores off his intercepts. So his chains have accounted for 50 points really this season. Yeah. So when you, when you, if you're going to waste those entry kicks, he's going to mop it up. They're going to rebound hard. And then, like... Adelaide's defence, although you know it's been elite in the intercepts, they've got enough small. West Coast enough smalls to challenge and make them accountable, make them play man on man, and yep. not let a guy like Alex Keith just roll off and be Alex Rams two point Well, Ryan will just sit on his head anyway. Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. Uh, on paper, these two teams are six and seventh on the ladder. They've even win losses. This is for mine at least a fifty fifty game, and I think West Coast have more upside even in the wet. And if they're going to offer me 30 cents on the dollar extra for freezies, yep. then you're an idiot not to roll out a bit of cash on that. Correct. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm tipping West Coast and I'm probably going to put money on them. My second upset alert is a big question mark here because it's obviously in Tassie. It's uh, Hawthorne, Saturday at 1.45. There are $1.76 favourites against Port, who are 2.05 outsiders. They're at Utah Stadium. The line here, four and a half. The over-under, 1.58. I did say two weeks... Well, even last week, but two weeks ago, I'm never betting against Alex Clarkson ever again in my life. I'm tempted to flip-flop on that after Hawthorne's performance against Richmond on the weekend because Port is a very similar side in the terms of their front half, their manic pressure. They'll they'll be able to close down Hawthorne's strength. I was about to say, I I reckon if if Port play well and they play their sort of... Not, not Richmond style, but it is a bit Richmond. Yes, yeah. Richmond don't own the, uh, that style, but it's it's, it's, a, it's a little bit similar. Yeah, then they will. They should. They should beat Hawthorne. Mm. Again, I saw this one. What? Why? Like why? The, especially Hawthorne will be missing McAvoy. Mm-hmm. It, it looks like they've got syndesmosis. Um, you know, Mitch Lewis concussion, Frawley test. Uh, who's the other? Chad Wingard test. So. 
would Wingard come back in to play against his old mob? If if they do, I'd load up extra on Port. Yeah, I reckon... Uh, if you believe in emotional things like that, I, I think Port has more to prove to Chad than Chad has to prove to Port. I know Lysett's out for Port. Well, Hunt, no, no, 99% sure he's out for Port. But Ryder still has uh, Segler covered as a ruckman mm. or anything else that Hawthorne can throw at him. Their midfield is, I reckon, a lot stronger than uh, Hawthorne's and they probably looks like they will probably get Robbie Gray back mm-hmm. uh, and Jonas probably comes back. And then you look forward at the ball and as long as they, they play their part, especially Robbie Gray back, you'll probably play majority forward. I reckon they got too much for their for Hawthorne's back line. I think Richmond showed that in the weekend where you know, it was tight for a bit, but then they just got overwhelmed a bit. Hawks. Yeah. Right. So even head-to-head on the on the stats side of things, so clearances, huge favorite uh, favoritism here for Port Adelaide there, plus 10 clearances head-to-head, 43 to 33. Uh, inside 50s there, plus 10 compared to Hawthorne, 61 to 51. Uh, and even uh, in terms of disposal efficiency to inside 50s, they go a whole disposal quicker from from getting their disposal chain started to getting inside 50. So they're quicker, they're more efficient, and they're harder at the ball getting their own source ball. Yeah. And they lead the comp both in uh, forward half, time in forward half and post-clearance pressure. The only thing worries about Port is the last two weeks I've watched them against uh, since Adelaide, where they struggled to score. Mm-hmm. They, they went inside 50 a lot. I think they went inside 50 more than Adelaide in the end, but struggled to score. And then on the weekend, they had dominance. Where I was watching the game, and they had... It felt like the whole quarter was in their forward half. I know it was wet and, and it wasn't great conditions and uh, Gold Coast pushing plenty of numbers behind the footy, but again, they struggled to score. So that's my only concern that you know, Hawthorne, we know what they're like. They can set a game plan. They did it really, really well against JWS. They seem to play on and play a bit quicker against Richmond on the weekend, which is a bit strange. But yeah, I just think Port should be winning this game. If they don't, I'll be very disappointed. And they're another team that at the two, over $2, I'll be looking the back. Uh, head to head, and even at the line, I think the line's like five or six points, something yes. like that. So, you almost look at it, and you know, probably should have backed Freya at the line last week instead of head to head. Probably had a win, so maybe you know, instead of going head to head on the roughies, we uh, go to line instead if it's reasonable. Yep, fair enough. Uh, the last factor there when you said about not uh, kicking straight or making the most of their scoring opportunities, this has been the first season in a long time where scoring shots has been more important than goal accuracy. Yep. So in terms of determining winners, yep. just getting the shots at goal, it doesn't matter really how often you kick straight or not, just having those opportunities is, is, a, more, is a stronger determining factor for wins than, than actually kicking straight. So an interesting one there, and one for the, uh, for the old uh, armchair pundits on TV to remember, the skill level's not down, the intensity is up. So yeah. listen and to I, old mate Bucks. Actually, there's a stat on the couch about uh, players who score per disposal or how many scoring they're involved mm. in per disposal and I think like Zorko you know he averages 21 disposals a game but he's involved in such of Brisbane scoring. scoring yeah and there was one and they Warple showed was Warple, Warple, yeah, yeah is the worst yeah. like, so he gets 28 touches but doesn't get like, if he gets 28 touches doesn't it, affect it, the game. It, it might in, it resolve in one goal for the whole game mm. or something so I think teams will be happy that Warple gets it and not your likes for Amir and, and uh, Burgoyne and you know, Bruce Smith, those sorts of blokes, Shield, because mm. they're the ones that are going to hurt you. Moving on to 
Um, some more dubious ups for alerts. This one's the last game of the round, Sunday at 5.20. Fremantle are $1.72 favourites. They're hosting Brisbane. $2.10 outsiders. They're at Optus Stadium. The line here, just 4.5. The over under, 1.73, which is another interesting line to talk about a little bit later on. Again, is it just that we don't... Is, are the bookies just not trusting Brisbane travelling the other side of the country to Optus because they, they knocked off Adelaide when they could have fallen over? And, Jeez, they should have fallen over. <laughs> and other teams... Other, uh, former iterations of Brisbane would have fallen over? Yeah, they cost us the line bet that game because they were up by 21 with seven or eight minutes to go. Yeah. I turned it off going, I'll just go check yeah, my beauty. account later. Yep. And then I'm flicking onto the Geelong Western Bulls game so they won by a point. But what the... F- Happened. Yeah. Like, what happened? Anyway, um, it's the only reason is that young side travelling to Perth and they've been up and about for most of the year, obviously. Freo have been pretty disappointed the last three weeks. I've been on their bandwagon. I think they're, I reckon they've got a good side. But again, like Tabman was out and stuff like that. And their four lines just fallen down. You just got to, and I've spoken about this before, Lob should not be rucking. Should not be number one ruckman. He has to play four with Hogan and, and have that extra foil with McCarthy or whoever else they pick. Um, I really want to back Brisbane here, but I, I don't trust either team enough to. This is a big. This would be a circled game for both clubs. So Brisbane's currently in the in the top eight. Yep. This is a game that they must win to to really solidify themselves in that top eight. Because if you actually look at either team around them, you'd say the other five are probably going to stay there. Give or take Adelaide, depending on how much you buy into Adelaide, and give and take if they win this week. But other than that, the rest are proper contenders in 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 the same period here as Brisbane. Yeah. If they go over and win in Fremantle, you can pretty much start saying if you're a Brisbane fan, don't don't get be too busy in September. Well, I, I still think Brisbane are a better side overall in Fremantle. Mm. Like if you put on neutral ground. Yep. I think Brisbane are travelling a lot better than Fremantle. Fremantle are only scoring one point on average more than last year. So even though we saw those two games, they kick big scores. I think there's still a team that struggles to score. And that's, I mean, you, I've seen them enough to know they butcher the footy going inside yep. 50. And I just think Brisbane will play an open style of game and they will take it on. We, we know how they play. I was, Lockie Neal's had probably a massive game. Uh, Every part of me wants to tip and back Brisbane. I'm going to give you more excuses then. So, clearance. They have a clear clearance dominance. They also have a clear hit-outs dominance. Because they've got Steph Martin. He's one of the best ruckmen in the comp. There you and go. No one... And so if they and continue... And they've got McCurdy and those sorts of blokes who chip in as well. So, if they continue to play lob, they're going to get they're going to get not only the hit-out advantage, but also hit-out to advantage advantage and the clearance advantage. Brisbane are the best team in the competition from scoring from clearance. So, that's already way in Brisbane's favour. On top of that, they're leading. Uh, they have massive ups on the inside fifties and scores per game, and they also tackle harder than Fremantle. So when Fremantle doesn't win their own ball, they don't get it back off someone else either. They're not a huge pressure team. They need to win it at the source to keep it, and then they turn over too much with their poor kicking. Do, do it re- all leans into Brisbane a lot. The only other thing I've seen, you know, if Hodge plays, I'm probably more confident. Does, do you reckon Hodge travels to Perth? I think because he didn't play not- last week. I think this is the game they have to win. I think they would have gone. Not, I reckon some clubs have things like scheduled losses, and I reckon Chris Fagan's probably smart enough to do that without telling the boys. Yeah. And he didn't play Hodge last week because he could have he seen that as a scheduled loss. Adelaide, everyone's rating them. They're up and about. They go up there. Tough, tough game. We can afford to lose that one. 
I don't think he thinks they can afford to lose against Fremantle. If he travels or, or, or he gets selected on tomorrow night, I reckon I'd, if, and I'm getting still around 2 220 for Brisbane, I reckon I'll be taking it. But if he's not playing, then I'll be a bit more hesitant because we saw in the last 10 minutes they, they lost a bit of composure down there. Absolutely. And he's... he's sh- it's a good learning curve for him so I'd go through a tape and have some good learnings from it and players will get better for it. But it shows how important and how good he still is, Hodgie, because he's... He, he would have kept him calm. And my last one, and this is just based on one of my favourite things I talked about, bounce back ability, and if this club has it. If they have ticker, they could produce it on the weekend. Sunday, 3.20. It's almost much watch viewing if you really like train crash reality TV. St Kilda are $1.38 favourites against Carlton. $3 outsiders. They're playing at Marvel Stadium, which helps Carlton in my opinion. The line here is three goals, the over under 163. Just tips and kill to move on. So there's no bounce back ability no, here ch- for Carlton? No chance. None at all? None. Not even the fact that no. St. Kilda's on the slide? No. St. Kilda's last four weeks have been a lot more credible and a lot more consistent. And Carlton, I think, uh, if he goes to the well again with the emotional stuff and it doesn't start well, then this could be bad. It could be very bad. And... It's interesting in terms of the stats, in terms of like all the KPI. It's weird how much Carlton's getting beaten by and how often they're losing, considering all the things they do right. And they're on the on the reverse, there's a lot of negative stats and KPIs for St Kilda, and they're not doing as poorly as I had imagined. They are defying their own characteristics a lot here. But at the end of the day, one team's winning or finding ways to win, and one team's losing and finding ways to lose. So, so the, it makes more sense to pick the winner. Well, they, they, they're probably going to get Simpson a plan back, probably. Yeah. You know, like, again, this is... We're talking about tonight. SPS misses, Murphy misses, Jones misses, uh, and maybe Cunningham. Yeah. And I don't know why McGovern's... He comes on and off that often in a game injured or sore... They're obviously nursing him through. Just get him right. Like you put, you've put a lot of money into him. Mm. So, as St Kilda, you know, we know about their injury list, but you know, they're. I reckon they're. I reckon they're, they're all right. And they, like if they play what they did last week, that they they got too much for Carlton. Yeah, and as you said, I think this game could get killed off early from a St Kilda point of view, and it's another one that I think Richo would be circling because I think he's very thankful that some other teams have had really poor starts of the season because. Uh, He's had to be able to get a couple of wins and then suddenly went from, I'll oh, be the first one sacked to, oh, how good's AFL coaching? He was lucky they beat Gold Coast round one, I'll tell you. Absolutely. How sliding doors that could have been. On to our sure things. We'll start with uh, Baz's favourite. He loves it when I do this. So, uh, Friday, 7.50, Sydney, $3 outsiders. Collingwood, $1.36 favourites. The line here is three goals. The over-under, one sixty-five. Surely you're confident about beating Sydney in Sydney. It always worries me because it's always a close game between Sydney. We never really thump them. Mm-hmm. It's always pretty tight, especially up, up there at the SCG. Like if you go through history, you'll see it's always been tight games. It's always one of those ones where even when Sydney are flying and we're nowhere near it, it's always tight. I think we play a similar sort of sort of football. And to be fair, Sydney will probably we've, we've lost the clearances, contested footy, and all those things the last four weeks. Yeah, still one. So Bucks is I know is harping on it a bit. You know. Wants the midfielder to do more and use the official use uh, Grundy's, you know. Yeah, dominance in the rock. Dominance. Yeah. That's the only thing that worries me. That I've said it the last four weeks. The only thing that worries me if a midfielder does get on top of us and they start scoring, we could be in strife. Well, luckily, City doesn't score very heavily. Yep. 
Uh, they're not particularly go- good going inside 50 and they can't really find anyone to kick them goals, especially when Buddy's not there. Yep. Uh, your back line's pretty good and your forward line's full of X-Factor. So, so Collingwood obviously win, in my opinion. Uh, and I've got a nice fun fact multi for this game uh, in our feature bets, yep. which I reckon should be a goal. Well, I think we've plus... I think we've kicked more points in the first quarter than the other team ever or something like that. The yep. stat was thrown about. Which so. is uh, a, little, a, nice little, a nice little teaser... For the end of the podcast. And our, our last call of the last few weeks has been unbelievable. Like our last call of the last two weeks of Cart Secure. They've been good. So. Would it have been uh, nice to have that, uh, that one day in September? Nice little. Yeah, it would have been. Yeah, impossible of, last yeah, quarter. Right, oh, that's a dick. Jeez, you <laughs> one flag in 50 years and you start digging. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, it would have been nice, wouldn't it? You've been a much happier man. Saturday, 2.10, the Western Bulldogs are hosting North Melbourne at Marvel Stadium. The Doggies are $1.61 favourites. The Brews... Can I, can I stop you there? $2.25 outsiders. Uh, no one cares about this game. No one at all? No, nah, Western Bulldogs tip. Let's move on. Yeah, I mean, it's up to you. I mean, but like, I was like, no, it's like I've got no analysis on that other than that you're 100% correct. Yeah, that's right. That's right. I just wanted to, like, yeah. you know, North, North. North yeah. And as doggies, they've become irrelevant, so... Ooh. So you, we'll go a little bit on doggies chat then. You reckon they're irrelevant? Yeah. Because a lot of people... The, the mainstream media who know more than us apparently uh, say they're not that far off what being irrelevant no being a finals team again oh well there's apart from the top four or five teams there's ten teams that get finished in the top eight person like they reckon they're not not far from being in like the top five like in the in the they're a long way off of that I, I know I'm just saying do you agree or disagree with mainstream media they've got a lot of a lot of issues a lot of deficiencies and we've seen it when they come against good sides and when they beat up poor sides and they lose to Carlton well I'm sorry but North are no good and Doggies are it's the Doggies they're they're a bit better than North but not quite North yet a bit better than North but not quite North yeah as in they're not they're a better team than North yeah but they're on their way down to being North I reckon there you go being a consistent 10 to 12 team I still don't think their coach has any idea wow there's a nice little clip to clip up and get sent around the internet but uh, there you go <laughs> and maybe a nice little talking point for you on the work site next time you're with your doggies mate cheers alright Saturday 7.25 it's uh, dream time at the G Richmond are $1.42 favourites Essendon $2.75 outsiders the line here 15 and a half the over under a very very low one fifty-nine. can Essendon jag a big time win. There are all this talk about being a side that can, and you know we're we're on the mend, and we're playing a good. They play a good brand of footy, apparently. But we've seen it time and time again that this Essendon brand of footy, this rolling gun type of footy, doesn't stack up in finals type games. They, they didn't. They didn't win Anzac Day when they could have. So they were the better team for three quarters. They got no Fantasia, no Smith. Yeah. Have you heard the news? Yes. You know what the news really is? So the news obviously is, is that uh, Joe Danaher is sore. And he possibly will miss the rest of the season. Yes. The real news, I think, and this is just me with my medical, dre- medical degree, but I'm not a practicing doctor. They rushed him back for Anzac Day. Yep. He had OP last year, which yep. is a chronic inflammatory yep. problem. So, yep, they rushed like, three weeks in a row. Yep. And three weeks in like not many days. Yep. He's cooked. Yep. They've cooked him. Yep. It's, he has OP again. Yeah. He probably still had OP. Yep. That's why he missed the first six or seven weeks of the season. Yeah. 
But when they started poorly, they thought, let's get him back on the park. He played all right against North, played mm-hmm. all right against Collingwood. Pulled up a bit sore, was a bit ginger in the third game. I can't remember who that was against, but they didn't win. And then, uh, yeah, now he's out where he's out. And if he doesn't play, then uh, Essendon might as well shut the door. Well, basically, after last week's performance where he was down because he's injured, well, he like it's already cooked. They couldn't score. Yeah. I know Freeman have been involved in some doubt games with that sort of style, but they were lucky to... Well, they were the better team, obviously, but they were lucky to win in the end. And, uh, yeah, you'd be thanking your lucky stars that uh, they had that win because a bit more pressure could have been on... Uh, Mr. Woosh. Mr. Woosh. I mean, they lost the inside 50 count. They won uh, contested for lost tackle count, lost stoppages, lost centre clearances, lost clearances. They had more disposals, but that's the style they play. Uh, yeah, and you look at how Freeman, we talked about this previously, uh, earlier in his pod, Freeman was the struggles going forward. If they could have gone forward a bit cleaner, boy, oh boy. And they were pretty even on scoring shots and stuff like that as well, so... I just think Essendon are pretty much done and yeah Wush I still think Wush is the coach that's probably first in line to get the uh, I reckon I, I really don't think clubs will sack coaches anymore mid year but if things started getting bad I reckon he's probably more likely to get gone before uh, Bolts and again because you'd say that arguably Essendon's issues is coaching like is game style not exactly list yeah, yeah, like still, their list is good yeah it's still got a decent They've copped some bad injuries, but they've got some good names on paper at that club. Yep. And if you talk to any Essendon member, they love their list. Well, that's probably the only thing where they're on top of at the moment is, or you'd say their midfield is probably, you know, even if I'm on par with Richmond's at the moment. Yeah. And Bell Chambers versus whoever's going to ruck for Richmond, probably Bolter. But I reckon, I seriously reckon last week when Bolter was rucking, his follow-up work is... is, um, on, in, in his midfield work and he's running dash mm. from a stoppage and stuff like that adds a different X factor to mm. to the midfield mix and I reckon it worked for you especially you know Segler isn't a big um, isn't that mobile so he, he made Segler do some work and to be like Marshall from St Kilda he's a very uh, attacking sort of ruckman more mobile not your great you know tap ruckman a bit like Grunny like once again involved in yeah. the play and that's what Bolter does, and that's Bolt. I reckon those ruckmen are more valuable if he can break even at the contest, or Richmond mids can start sharking uh, Bell Chambers a bit more, which yeah. you know clubs are obviously good at doing. Look at Grundy and Gorn for that instance as well. Then I reckon uh, Bolter playing ruck isn't the isn't the worst thing for for Richmond, and who knows? Solo played all right last week. He you know had a crack, and whoever it is comes in for you plays ruck to help out. Bolter could do the same. Could do the same thing, so... Yeah, absolutely. I don't see uh, really many angles where Essen win this other than your Money Ducks story um, because it's just a big event and two proud clubs with two uh, really, yeah, impressive Indigenous histories. But for mine, Richmond's the obvious pick. On at the same time will be Gold Coast hosting Geelong. Uh, Gold Coast are $5.50 outsiders. Geelong are obviously $1.13 favourites. They're playing at Metricon and the line here is six goals. Is, will this be closer than what the bookies expect? Or will it be close for a while and then they and then the Cats do what they did to the Doggies? Yeah, probably that. Yeah. And you know, Gold Coast will show a lot. Could be dour, could be boring. But um, the problem is the way that Gold Coast score and play, they're trying to get stuff over the back. 
suits Geelong's. Mm. So this could be a could be a negative uh, under sixty game for Gold Coast. But anyway, we'll talk about it later. Um, yeah, Geelong win. They should win. No, yeah. I'll probably rest a few bikes. Does Ablett go to the Gold Coast? I wouldn't take Ablett to the Gold Coast. I wouldn't take Danger to the Gold Coast. I don't think they need to anyway. No, I yeah, be, you're flying. You're a game clear on top. Why take? players that are 80%, 70% or an Ablett who's played every game this year and been outstanding there's no need mm. and this would have probably been a game they went alright Gold Coast let's rest yep 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 yeah. uh, Taylor Hawkins whoever you need to, yeah. they should, still, whoever's carrying doesn't go yeah they still should be able to get the job done and even if they did lose not the end of the world no but I don't, they're not going to no. so. and uh, Sunday the last game here this was I had this as a 50-50 and then I thought, stuff it. I've sold all my stock in this club. 110 Sunday. I'll be watching because I think it'll be interesting regardless. Melbourne are $2.47 outsiders at home to the Giants who have the world's worst MCG record. They're a $1.50 favourites. The line here is two goals. The over under one sixty-five. Part of me was like, oh, I reckon Melbourne could bounce back. They had a, they apparently, and again, I don't know what... I don't know when I missed the memo as a person who works in football media that I am contractually obligated to talk up Melbourne's football club because they came out and every paper and every TV show is saying how great they played on the weekend to West Coast. They dominated that first quarter and then they lost again. They should have won. That is not a good performance. No, That's I, a bad performance. I think I messaged you on the night saying, is it just me or is the commentary on Channel 7 very Melbourne bias? It's all, everyone's, why does everyone want this club to succeed so much? <laughs> They're not very good. And uh, uh, this, is, this is the perfect game for JWS as well. If, uh, in all honesty, this is it's probably the worst game because in one hand, you've got JWS you, you can't trust yet. Like they, you, you can't they, trust them because sometimes they don't show up like and they suck Hawthorne. at the G. They should have beaten Hawthorne. Yeah. They it was literally, literally a change. They probably would have had to have gone out and done some running after the game last week. Yeah. So they probably didn't cover enough Ks. They're coming out. It's a team who is struggling in every aspect of their game, except for getting the ball forward and not being able to kick. How does a player not kick thirty meters? I haven't seen. I haven't seen a player. Petrarca's done it about five times already this year. Had set shot, 30, 35 out, and it's shanked and it hasn't made the distance. Hmm. It baffles me. Anyway, Apparently, it's his ball drop. Oh, I, I think it's a lot more than that. But anyway, uh, how could you not tip JWS? You have to. You could not tip JWS, and you could not take them at the line, surely. They have to win this one more than two goals. No, definitely. It's my lock of the week. Oh, this is... Uh, there, there is no angle here in which Melbourne are a better team than JWS. And yes, hoodoos exist, and I think we'll read it out, we'll get it out there in the open. A giant MCG hoodoo. They have played 16 games of the MCG for two wins over seven and a half years. All right. A lot of those years, they were crap. They were, they were a brand new side, so they don't, they don't count. Yep. So they haven't got rid of that hoodoo yet. Hawthorne are a very good side with a very good coach. I reckon... Melbourne are an average side with an <laughs> average coach at best. And I reckon there's a bit of Jerry, old school Jerry West where they thought they'd rock up and beat yeah. Hawthorne. Uh, I reckon... And, Leon Cameron has already acknowledged it, so he's in it. he's already pepping him up for it. Yeah, and yeah, I just cannot see it for the life of me with the way they kick that footy sometimes, especially a few of their backmen. Uh, Frosty's one of them, uh, and their forward line entries and oh, uh, a decent side last week probably would have knocked off West Coast because they're still going through things mm. in first gear. 
They flicked in the second and a bit of third for 10 minutes that last quarter. I think GWS will rock up on Sunday and ready to go because they know what happened last time they played here against Hawthorne. They know what Melbourne are going to throw at them because Melbourne haven't changed a single thing. If anything, they've gotten weaker because they keep throwing... Um, you know, there's been a lot of talk about it already, but Brayshaw on a wing and they've lost a bit of midfield grunt. His numbers are down. So they've got injuries as well, Melbourne, and they probably pick Lewis again for some reason. But, uh, yeah, I just think Giants cover the line as well and just... Uh, Actually, be a good game to watch on Sunday. Hopefully, I'm home to watch it. Double your money and make a stack. I'm on to the next one. 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 Hold up. Somebody bring me back some money. On to our favorite segment. Hopefully, yours as well. Money making time. Our feature bets for round 10. And from the top, I'm going to ask you again, Baz. Carlton 61-75, Gold Coast 61-75. Do we make some alterations here? Because now we are at evens. We've lost our profits. Right, evens for the season so far on these bets. Neither of them got near it last week, didn't they? No. And so this week, uh, they're both paying $2.88 for 61-75, and I think they are both uh, at under twos for under 60. I'll stick with it. I'm, I'm sticking to my guns. Yeah? Yeah, stick to my guns. Stick on it. Fair enough. We'll see how it goes. It'd be a good little test anyway, but I think I'd wait to see the trend go back up before you spend any of your own hard-earned on it, listeners. But it will be good um, at a reference point about how these rules have affected scoring, etc., etc., when you've got teams struggling to kick more than 60 points. All right, on to our feature bets then. So I've got a roughie, and it's an interesting one. It's based off a fun fact. So as you said prior, Collingwood have scored only 19% of their aggregate points in second quarters. Yep but they are the leading uh, Q1 scorers in the competition and in the history of tracking that stat. Yep. Sydney have scored 34% of their aggregate points in second quarters. So, put it all together, I've got Collingwood to win the first quarter by more than four and a half. Yep. I've got Sydney to win the second just head-to-head, and Collingwood to win overall is paying $6.25. like it. There you go. All right. On to our values then. Baz, what do you have in the good areas. I'm just taking Port, West Coast, head-to-head. Uh, they're both over two bucks. It's great. And probably, I might even multi them both. And uh, your sure things, because I think we might be on the same page here yeah. as well. I'm going Richmond and Jerry West at the line. So I reckon at line bets, they've stung us the last two weeks a little bit. But uh, yeah, I reckon they, they nail them. Absolutely. And yeah, absolutely for mine. GWS to cover the 11.5 at the ninety. Get rid of the hoodoo. Could be the lock of the year. I think it's... Arguably the most sound bet you'd make all year. Does that mean we're tipping all the same tips this week? I think there's no... I can't catch you. You You're five ahead at the moment, which is annoying, considering you jagged one difference on a 50-50 game we didn't even care about. But, uh... (laughs) You're you're sly dog, but that's okay. What was was the one you didn't even care about? North and Sydney. North Sydney. We don't care about it, but... We didn't care about it, but I just said it was North because in Tassie, and you said it's Sydney because I don't don't like North. Yeah, exactly. And uh, you jagged it by... A ridiculous. Zero's why I've tipped doggies this week, so don't, don't rate north. <laughs> Just go with that famous gut of yours. All right, if you've got any uh, picks or tips or any advice or any feedback on anything you've heard today or anything you do for either Geelong or Carlton in the coming weeks, let us know on Twitter at SC underscore mag underscore Oz or on our Facebook page that is Sporting Chance Magazine or come talk to us face-to-face down at the Yorkshire Hotel after a couple of Frosties. 
Uh, good luck for the weekend, both in your tipping, your betting, and your coaching bets. Cheers, mate. And, uh, we'll see you all next week. Come on.